Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. i got a really special show. We're going to preview the upcoming game between the USC Trojans and the Idaho Vandals, another Sun Belt opponent coming into the Coliseum. Uh, before we get to that, we get to our special guest. I wanted to let you know how to get in touch with the show. We want to make it interactive, so send us any questions you have. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. A couple of ways you can leave us a voicemail. 641-715-3900 is the voicemail number. And leave us an extent at extension 816-646. Hit the pound sign and leave us a quick voicemail. That'd be great. Or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. From any of your devices, click on the left side of the page. And of course, you can leave a voicemail right there. And iTunes, love to for you have you subscribe to us on iTunes, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. You can subscribe to our feed uh, with iTunes or any podcast app you like, and also leave us some positive feedback. That would be wonderful. All right, well, let's bring in our special guest for our Thursday podcast, uh, Michael Sean Dugar. He's from the Moscow Pullman Daily News. He covers the Idaho Vandals and uh, the Washington State Cougars. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Dugar, D-U-G-A-R. Mike, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're uh, ready for some college football, uh, week number two. And uh, it should be, uh, I don't know, we'll, I don't know what to really expect <laughs> from uh, you know, the game on Saturday. Another Sun Belt opponent, uh, USC played Arkansas State, uh, of course, last weekend. Uh, but we wanted to bring you on the show because you've been covering this team for a while and just kind of get your thoughts on uh, you know, what's going on with this Idaho program and the kind of direction they're going, what to expect, and things like that. Uh, well, uh, Idaho's got a lot going on, uh, both both on and off the field. Uh, on the field, uh, it's a work in progress, just offensively and defensively. They got a really young secondary, uh, a lot of shifting going on back there. First-year defensive coordinator, Mike Bresky, who uh, USC fans might remember from past two years and then two years ago when the WSU went down there and uh, and beat the Trojans uh, in the Coliseum. But uh, Idaho, this is a, this is a game they'll not want to watch a lot of tape of. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably say that I think Penn State just buried the tape of their last of their last loss, uh, like literally in the ground. I th- I think uh, Idaho might want to take a page out of their book. Uh, after Saturday, well, it, I mean, Sun Belt. Uh, it's kind of interesting for USC to be playing two Sun Belt opponents in a row. Uh, you don't really think of Idaho when you think of Sun Belt, but Arkansas State was, you know, one of the favorites to win the conference. Um, where does Idaho kind of fit into the the Sun Belt uh, rankings? I guess you'd say. Yeah, no one definitely picks or thinks of uh, Idaho when they think of the Sun Belt because <laughs> they're they're about 4,000 miles away from their nearest opponent, I believe. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Idaho, and also it's their style of play, too. Idaho kind of plays just more straight up, nothing tricky, no running QB, no no jet sweeps, just, you know, we're going to line up and run the ball, or at least try to run the ball down your throat and try to throw it over the top of you and dink and dive you. But uh, Idaho, 
was picked to finish I think, 11th in the conference, last place, which is probably where they'll finish. Uh, they, they've got a, a, a long way to go, just uh, perfecting their offensive line and, and really establish, establishing an identity just offensively and, and becoming more confident uh, in, in Matt Linehan. Once that happens, uh, then, then they'll move up the ladder. But right now they'll probably finish around the bottom of, of, of the Sun Dome. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Mike uh, Lenahan. Uh, he had 36 completions uh, last week. And I think it was like the best of the nation or something like that. Um, Desmond Epps had 15 catches. So it looks like, I mean, there's some competency on the offensive side of the ball. Like, what do you, what do you feel that Idaho can do? How can they be dangerous on offense? Uh, well, uh, I, I tell people all, all the time, uh, whether, whether they think I'm joking or not, I think if Idaho wants to be successful on offense, you give the ball to Desmond Epps. Uh, as often as possible. Uh, Desmond's a little uh, slot slot back guy, uh, not too big, but he's really fast, really quick, makes good cuts, comes out of the slot. So if he's lined up against a backer, uh, or if it's a safety or a linebacker, he's going to whiz by that guy and make a seven-yard play uh, every time. I think uh, I give him the ball every time, every <laughs> chance he can get out of the backfield on sweeps, bubble screens, down the field, punts, kicks. Uh, he's 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 a special player, and uh, the more he touches the ball, the the more successful Idaho will be. The uh, for for people who don't know, I mean, Idaho's you know Moscow, Idaho, and Pullman are sister cities, and um, you know, so if, if anyone's gone made the trip for USC to go see Washington State, you've been up there in that area, and uh, the Kibbe Dome is something that people should definitely check in when they go up there. Maybe you kind of describe what you know, kind of a unique environment that that is. Yeah, that's the perfect word to describe the Kibbe Dome. It's just very unique. It's got that. It, sometimes it doesn't feel almost like a, a a college football arena until you you get the atmosphere. the The way it's domed, uh, it's it's very unique. It's just not just like a a, a normal sphere. I'd say uh, it's it's really hard to describe, but it is a very cool. It's a very cool place. I'd say when it, when it's rocking and it's got all sixteen thousand uh, max capacity with the band and the fans all blacked out screaming, uh, I, I'd say it's it's a it's a huge home field advantage for the Vandals. Uh, it's just whenever the fans start showing up, when they can finally use it. But it's definitely something I'd suggest everyone just just peek inside of uh, if they're up on the Palouse. All right. Um, well, we had some questions on the message board too. We're going to get some other topics too, but I wanted to maybe some of the fans, you could answer some of their questions if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. All right. Uh, so Jay Colgate on our board says, uh, ask him how, how that program can ever get back to competing with Boise State. Uh, well, head to head against Boise State won't happen for a while. Uh, there's some, there's some friction there at, uh, at the top uh, of those two uh, administrations uh, to the point where I don't, I don't, I don't see Boise state definitely won't agree to a home and home. Uh, They'd have to, Idaho would have to come down there and that, that won't happen for uh, for a while either. But in terms of just competing in terms of having a good program, um, I think, I think Pacino needs a little bit more time and I think he, he needs to maybe adapt to, the, the rest of the college football landscape in terms of maybe spreading it out more and, and trying to use more speed because, you know, Idaho's not going to get the, the big 6'3", 300-pound lineman, four-star guys, you know, to just go head-to-head with Appalachian State and, and Georgia Southern. Uh, they're gonna, they can get speed, though. Speed you can find anywhere. So I've, uh, 
once they start spreading it out and Paul Pacino can really become that offensive guru he was ticketed as once they once they pulled him uh, from his brother, uh, then I think uh, they'll be a, a much more competitive and be able to maybe uh, compete for being the best team in the state of Idaho. Uh, okay. Jared Max had a question. He says, uh, what are some of the strengths for this Idaho team that could create any trouble for USC? For example, Desmond Epps, the wide receiver, from what I read, is pretty good. Um, he said, also, I'd like to congratulate you on handling yourself as professional as possible with the confrontation with Coach Petrino when that happened. Part of the First Amendment is freedom of the press. So if you write a story uh, on observations that you witnessed after 14 practices, no one should confront you in that way. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the article you wrote in the, the news after the fact was pretty classy. Thanks for coming on one of the best sports podcasts out there and fight on. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, well, thank you. Uh, uh, I do take pride in how I handle myself there. I'll adjust the football the football stuff. We can get into uh, Paul Paul later. Uh, well, I talked a little bit about Epps, but also uh, Idaho's def- Idaho's defensive line. It really is. It 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 had its issues uh, against uh, Ohio in their opener, losing forty five twenty eight and giving up over two hundred yards on the ground. I believe two two oh five uh, net. Uh, but Quentin Bradley uh, is is one of those guys that uh, has a potential at Idaho to possibly play on Sundays. Maybe not get drafted. Maybe go undrafted. Make a camp. You know, just show his work ethic and strength and, and skills. Maybe that that a lot of people didn't get, didn't get a chance to see because uh, scouts and, and so on don't get up to Idaho that often. But I think their defensive line. They play a three four. So they got uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Edwards, a uh, big nose, about three three thirty three, clogging up the middle, uh, and uh, twenty Lupa Manu and Quentin Bradley are both on the edges. Quentin. Is probably the best player on that defensive line, and he uh, he's someone the coaches have talked about all week, saying that this is his debut. You know, he if he wants to play on Sundays, like everyone in the coaching staff believes he can, and like Quentin believes he can, uh, getting getting to Cody Kessler a couple times if he can, uh, will will be something to uh, push his uh build his stock, I'd say. And so I I think that's a name to look out for on the defense, and then on offense, yeah, it's it's all about apps. It's all about apps. Um. And the, uh, I mean, if we can just talk about it real briefly, just the story you kind of wrote, um, going in there. I've, you know, covering teams for years, you know, I've, I've had confrontations with coaches, never one kind of like, uh, what you described, but it was great to see, you know, now we're in the Twitter age when something like this happens. People might not have known about it before, but, you know, I see like the Dennis Dodds of the world, people kind of tweeting support. So you must have felt pretty good knowing that like kind of the national media had your back and the way you, you handled yourself. Yeah, well, here's the well, here's a little back a little backstory that didn't I didn't make the column because I didn't want it to be thirty inches. But uh, that practice happened uh, at nine a.m. I thought that thing with Paul happened to maybe around eleven eleven fifteen. Um, I had a meeting with the Idaho soccer coach because I just cover Idaho everything at, at our paper. Our paper's pretty small, so I told the SID, "Look, I'll be back here to talk to Coach Pittman, the soccer coach, at, at one forty-five. You know if." If Paul wants to meet with me or, or if Rob Spear, the athletic, athletic director, wants to meet with me, that's fine. I'll happily meet with him because clearly we have a misunderstanding in terms of coverage and professionalism. And I got no response. And then uh, um, that's around 6 o'clock. I got a call from the, from the department uh, kind of trying to talk me down from my uh, writing anything about it. Uh, using They used a phrase saying uh, maybe he wasn't yelling. He was just 
he was just talking loudly, which I felt undermined my intelligence. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to know when someone's yelling. Uh, so by 645, I had written not one word. Uh, I, w- I wasn't going to write anything, but it was, it was, it was the combination of the lack of professionalism, uh, uh combined with, uh, just no accountability, you know, immediately yeah. going to, he wasn't yelling. He was, he was talking loudly. Well, the one, those are the same thing too. I'm not an idiot. So, <laughs> so if, if you guys, one can't be professional, two can't take accountability for just a mishap, just apologize, say lost his temper. He was walking right off the field. So he's still in coach mode. He knows you're not a, a student uh, that, you know, won't happen again. Boom. Then there's no column. There's no controversy. Yeah. So, so there, there, there was that. That, that more than anything led to the column because once, once those two things happened, I got no invitation for a meeting and, and no accountability. I knew that there was a chance something like that could happen again. And I knew if I wrote the column that it definitely wouldn't. And now I'm very confident that it won't. Uh, I'm 100% confident that it won't. And as far as the support from the national media, oh, I, I knew that was going to come and I, I really am happy about it because that way, I feel confident in uh, our paper not having to print a retraction or anything. You know, it's it's a Petrino too. So once you accuse them of losing their temper or doing something, <laughs> uh, doing something like that, you don't need many people convincing you, or you don't need much to do much convincing. Uh, you know, the people flooded my emails with stories about Bobby and their dad and Paul back at Arkansas that were way worse than than what happened with me. So I I knew the. I knew the backing would come because all I had to do was say a Petrino did something bad and boom, <laughs> people, <laughs> people would run with it. The, uh, what's the relationship been like since? Like I've had run-ins with Pete Carroll. I've had, I mean, just coaches are, are fiery. They can be, but you know, you end up having to see them all the time and you end up working with them or whatever. You know, you, you're, you're working alongside them. You're, you know, covering them. Um, usually I've been able, if, if we've had little mix ups, we've been able to kind of put it behind us and, and kind of keep going forward. Uh, is it, is it been okay kind of, you know, covering the team? I know there was some controversy about closing practice and all that stuff. Where does all that kind of stand now? Yeah. If you'd asked me two days after I'd say, yeah, everything back to normal. I went to the next two practices, talked to Paul after both of them, answered all my questions, answered everyone else's questions, just fine. And then they try to pull a fast one on the media where they send out two different emails about the, about the practice access and, they tell me, they tell my company that I, I have to wait to the final 10 minutes and then I can talk to, I can watch and then talk to players afterwards. And then as soon as I walk in at that 10 minute mark, you know, there's, there's, uh, two other media members already sitting there and I find out they've been there the whole day. Uh, you know, so, and then I find out later that their access is different than mine, you know, and then I confront the spokesperson about it and she gives me the runaround, you know, so I, Initially, I would say things are fine, at least me and Paul, at least face to face. I don't, it, it, it's, yeah, now, now the, now everyone's just boycotting going to practice. Idaho, Idaho's got a lot going on. Like I, like I began yeah. with on and off the field. Personally, me and Paul, we don't have any friction. Uh, but the whole practice access being changed after that is probably not a coincidence. I mean, practices were open to all media all the time last year. That's, uh, I mean, it's a, I think it's a typical response, uh, Mike, that you see, like we've seen when coaches kind of in trouble and they want to control more aspects of things. Practice gets closed at USC. I mean, it's very open Los Angeles. There's so many other pro teams. There's so much to cover. If you don't have open practices, I just think people will ignore 
you know, major, major stories that are going on. So they've always had to kind of be an open and, you know, Lane Kiffin tried to close it before he got fired and then they just opened it right back up again. But what you're doing, I mean, you, you're trying to fill up that Kibby dome. You want the most coverage possible. You know, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't think that helps the program overall keeping some veil of secrecy over things when you really just want to get more of the message out there. And, 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 you know, you guys are out there covering the team every day that helps to sell tickets. Right. There's only two professional papers in our, in our, in the, uh, in Moscow that cover the vandals. You know, I mean, if you, if you block us out, you know, no one's going to show, no one's going to show up. You know, it's a, it's the team's already two and 22. I mean, as much, <laughs> I, I, a lot of people, you know, have reached out to me and said, how, how would Idaho want no one to show up? I mean, I was at 14 straight fall camp practices and I also, I also own a professional camera. So I take pictures with my blog. So now they've got, Photo spreads every day and and practice reports every day, giving them the most coverage they've had, you know, day by day in years. And then, you know, they they shut us out. While meanwhile, they're trying to build the fan base and and pack the Kibbe Dome, which hasn't happened in, in a while. Yeah, it's it's puzzling to say the least. Yeah, you, you question some of the decisions that are, you know, but you know, that's I think sometimes it happens when administrations or you know people get on the. If there's a hot seat or people are they're, they're trying to control everything and it's just, it's, it's just not the most effective way to do this. You're, you know, people like they, they expect you to like work for the team or something. You're covering the team. You want to try to be objective. It wasn't like you were over the top just bashing the team. You're saying your observations. So it's, it's just been kind of a baffling story, but I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're kind of, you've been able to rise through this and stuff and hopefully it's helped you professionally. Oh yeah, I, I, absolutely. I know, I know, uh, uh, I'm a pretty young looking guy. So maybe Paul just immediately mistakes me for first, uh, an athlete, student athlete, but then, uh, maybe, yeah, I think he uh, had the idea that we're supposed to help promote the program where maybe <laughs> that's why I also suggested a meeting so we can make that clear. That's, that's not my job. Yeah. I mean, when I, I called their, 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 their downfield passing game a work in progress, I guess I should have put it in quotes cause I got that straight from the mouth of his starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apparently he was upset with uh, the lead to that story, which uh, it more or less said that there it'll be a while before Idaho is able to match wits in the passing game with their, you know, with, with the team eight miles away, which, I mean, he, he didn't like the stab at WSU, but I mean, they're the best passing offense in the, in the country. Uh, that, that That's just, that's just a fact. Yeah. Well, they have their own issues right now too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good thing I wrote that before the book. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, okay. Well, we have some more, a few more questions to get to. Jimmy and Joe said, um, just curious, but do you know how much Idaho would be paid on Saturday? And then in your opinion, is Rob Spears, the athletic director, a hundred percent behind Petrino? Uh, I believe Idaho is set to make $1.1 million when they travel to USC. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm actually. Real 99% confident in that. It's either 1.1 or, or 1 million flat. Um, and I do know Robin, um, Robin Paul, they're in that situation where you see a lot of the times where the AD is now linked to, uh, to the coach. So if, if, uh, if they both get extensions, it'll happen at the same time. If they both get fired, it'll happen at the same time. One won't fire the other and, or Spear won't be able to fire Paul and, and get to stay. It's, I think Paul is the third coach football coach that, that Rob has hired. Uh, so I know he's behind Paul. He, I've talked to him plenty of times. He's behind him. He likes uh, what he's doing with their APR. Their APR scores keep going up year by year. That was a big deal because it was 
8.96 for their four-year APR, their last uh, last report. So he likes rebuilding what's going on there because they had some academic issues there. Uh, he's re- he's uh, recruiting a lot of good kids. Uh, I don't want to necessarily associate uh, uh, religion necessarily with being a good kid, but you just see you just see a lot of the new freshmen recruit, even the, the the JC guys. They're just a lot more positive. Even if it's just tweeting Bible verses all day, they got that kind of Russell Wilson oh, okay. feel to them uh, with the new guys. So I I think he likes that aspect of Paul, whether they're religious or not. I didn't want to make that tie, but it, I think it helps illustrate it. That he's bringing in good kids and. And Rob, Rob really believes in him to to uh, to bring them bring the team around. Okay. Um, USC Scott wants to know how do you expect Idaho to perform in the Sun Belt this year, and what does the uh, Arkansas State game portend for Idaho since they play in the same conference? Uh, Arkansas State has some, has a lot of athletes. Uh, they came up to Moscow last year. I think they picked off Linehan three times, and none of them were bad picks. They were. Wow, did he just make that catch type of interceptions? Um, so, uh, when they meet, when they meet again, that's a, that's gonna, that might be a, a scary side. I think Arkansas State will score more than six points or whatever they scored against USC. Um, I think, I think Idaho will, uh, against USC now will, um, they'll try to play to their strengths. They'll, they'll try to run the ball a lot and just, and, and, and keep the ball away from the Trojans. I think that everyone knows that's their best bet when you're outmatched like that. The more they don't have the ball, the better it is uh, for you. Um, I know they. I said I would give it to Desmond every chance they get. I don't know if they share that uh, philosophy, but honestly, if uh, if I had to give a score, I, I'd, I'd I'd give the Vandals maybe maybe seven seven points, and uh, I, unfortunately, that 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 might be generous. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um... A couple of people wrote in, uh, Juju Smith had quoted something and saying it's, it's going to be easy or he had said something after the Arkansas State game. I don't know if that kind of made it up there or made the rounds or if that was something that was used as bullet board material or ever at, at Idaho. Uh, I know, I know that, that, that quote specifically. I, I don't, I don't know if that one made it up here. I know, uh, uh, I know once I tweeted out the, the spread, uh, when it opened, which was 42 and a half. A bunch of Idaho players favored it, uh, and I'm, and I'm sure, uh, and I'm sure they talk about that. They know they're counted out. Uh, they, they, they like these games where they, uh, two years ago they went to Florida State when Florida State was number two team in the country. I think the year before that they went to LSU. Uh, they go to Auburn later this year. You know, they, they like these games and they don't really, they don't need the motivation. Uh, and really it's split between the locker room. You get the confident guys who are like, you know what? We're going to go down there and we're going to play hard and we're, man, we could win if we do X, 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 and X. And then there's some guys you talk to, whether on the record or off, where they're like, you know what? We just, we just want to come back healthy and try not to look at the scoreboard. Uh, so in terms of motivation, it's really split, but the guys, the guys who need to be hyped up for it and, and feel like people think they're going to get blown out, out of the water, they're, they have that internal motivation because they know. They know USC. A lot of the guys are from California. They know what they're up against, and they know what people think they can do. And they know people don't think they can do much. Um, Big Hawk 4 wrote in. So there's an interesting connection between uh, the Idaho secondary and the USC secondary. Uh, he wants to know, is Armand Hawkins Jr. excited to play against his brother? Uh, Chris Hawkins is starting safety for USC. I uh, got his first start at safety last week and played decent except for taking uh, the big hit rather than wrapping up. 
Um, what, if anything, should we expect out of the secondary uh, with the starting corner leaving the team? Um, Armand, um, Armand is, I haven't spoken to him like at practice, uh, but I do know, I do know he's excited to play, um, against his brother. Um, actually, I'm hoping to talk to Armand later, later today, actually. Yeah, I've talked to, talked to the family and, uh, they said they got a hundred tickets. Uh, they made a hundred t-shirts with Armand's picture on the front and Chris's picture and it says Team Hawkins. And that whole family is just, uh, really excited to come out to, to the game. Uh, including their dad, uh, Armand Senior. Uh, as far as as far as Armand, uh, I think he's actually battling for his starting strong safety spot. Uh, him and Chris actually both got moved to strong safety this year around the same time, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but Armand's battling for that strong safety spot with uh, a guy named Jordan Grabsky. They'll probably both see time. I actually think that Jordan will start the game at strong safety. Uh, but Armand's an athlete. He's probably one of the better athletes in the secondary back there. Uh, uh, from what I've, what I've seen, I don't know if he's as good an athlete as Chris, but he's a great athlete, got good ball skills. And, um, if anyone on the, if anyone on the Idaho secondary is going to make a big play in the secondary, it'll probably be Armand. All right. Interesting. That'll be one to watch. And we had one last one, Mark one, and you don't have to answer this if you want to, but he said, uh, USC minus 43 or Idaho plus 43. Asking for a friend who wants to know for entertainment purposes only. Um, wait, what was that question? Uh, so he wants to know basically is, is Idaho going to cover the spread? Is he, oh, that's, what he, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a great question. I was actually just talking about that with some friends, uh, la- last night. Um, uh, that's so hard to tell. I mean, it, when you're talking about a spread that big and you know, I, we had emailed a little bit. And yeah, USC ended up winning against Arkansas State 55 to six. But at the beginning of the third quarter, it was a three score game and USC went three and out. You know, it wasn't like it was some blowout, even, you know, a little ways into the third quarter. And then of course it kind of got out of hand and all that stuff. It's just when you're talking about that many points and USC is going to be rotating a lot of guys, it's just so hard to say. I just, I, I, I like betting, but I'm not like a big sports better. I just couldn't touch a spread that's like that big. Yeah, that's a that's a scary spread. Although I I I'd be shocked if USC didn't hit sixty. Just on pure, the thing is when USC just starts to pull, say USC pulls their first string and then they put in a bunch of second string guys who are four star, you know, <laughs> freshmen and sophomores who would probably start at Idaho. You know, Sark got to go to his third his third string, which even then that might you got a couple guys out there who are just diamonds in the rough at that point or just untapped potential. So that's that's why. Uh, I'm scared of it, but I'd say, yeah, UST probably covers. If I, uh, I missed the name, I think it was Mark. If Mark wants to go ahead and put his, put his money down, I, I think USC <laughs> covers. But I think the fourth quarter late when, you know, unless they're kneeling it from their own 20, uh, I think they add a few scores to, to cover. The, you know, it's an interesting point though, because last year, uh, when games kind of got out of hand, they, it, they let Cody Kessler stay in quite a while. They really want Max Brown, who's a former five star from, you know, the state of Washington. Uh, to come in and, and get significant reps. So you got to see him play a little bit more against Arkansas State and actually let him throw the ball down the field and, and kind of, instead of just coming in and handing the ball off, they really want to try to get him ready. So that is an interesting aspect that they might, it's not like that the offense is going to go into shutdown mode when they, if, you know, if they get the opportunity to put him in, cause they do want to get him chance to, you know, throw with live, you know, live ammunition and get out there and not just hand the football off. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you put, Max Brown in against, 
you know, and you put him in the third quarter and let him get two quarters against against the defense where the playbook is at least as much as he knows the playbook is open to him. I mean, that's that's not just a normal second string backup. Yeah, we're gonna let the clock run. That's a let's test out this this highly talented recruit and let's score some points. <laughs> yeah, they really. I think they really want to try to get ready for. Uh, they open against uh, Alabama next year, so that's been one of the kind of themes. And and you know that usually when Sark says something like, "Hey, this is a." something we want to change or something we want to do. They usually seem to go out and do it. Like they've, they got, you know, real reps from Max Brown. The, the substitution's been crazy. It's almost like a hockey line thing where they're just bringing guys in and out. You'll see a whole, I mean, you know, it might put all freshman linebackers in on, on one series or all freshman defensive linemen. Um, so it's, it's definitely different than what we've seen the last few years where they would play 12 or 13 guys on defense and they would have to play the whole game. Um, so it's, it's a certainly a different kind of looking team, but I'm not really sure, like we were talking about what to expect, you know, later in games. I mean, there, there are a lot of freshmen out there and there could be plenty of mistakes. So it's not like it's going to be a well oiled machine. It could work well because they're talented, but we just don't know. Right. Yeah. And then what did USC play? 13 true freshmen, uh, in, 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 in that opener. I mean, they got so much talent and depth. I mean, if you, if I go through the tape and, uh, and all the, and everything of all my interviews from this week, I could probably find the words talent and depth when being, de- to, being used to describe USC upwards of 30 plus times in, in total. That's everyone. They just, everyone just says, yeah, they've got a lot of talent. They've got depth. They've got depth, 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 and more depth. I mean, their water boy might have four nine speed. <laughs> it, everyone's worried about the depth. In the town, maybe not worried. I don't, I'll say this: Idaho doesn't sound worried. They don't. They may be internally, but they don't sound like it when when my recorder's out and I and I hit play. So they they have that going for them. They don't they don't sound worried. They sound prepared and like they're gonna come out and do what they expect to do. Now, whatever they expect, I don't know what that is, but they sound pretty prepared. But yeah, once uh, USC could get down to their third string, and it could still be an even ball game if Sark still got the playbook. Up. Michael Sean Dugar, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike uh, Dugar, sorry, uh, Mike Dugar, D-U-G-A-R for the Moscow Pullman Daily News. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights about the Idaho Vandals. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, anytime. All right. Michael, thank you so much for tuning in. And everyone else, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks very much, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.